All right. Well, I am Ruth Jowdry here with Battlefield Ministries, and I thank Pastor and all of you for the honor of being with you today. Um, my husband is presently an interim pastor at another church that's in between pastors, and so he had missed a bit there recently, so when he was asked to come here today, he just felt like he needed to be back there again today as they were relying on him for certain things. So here we are. Welcome to church. And all of you online that are watching the service today, we welcome you. And if you're a visitor uh, here today or you're a visitor online, I would commend this church to you. Thank you for the great worship. Worship team, awesome job. Awesome job. And um, I'm sure Pastor has heard this, oh, I don't know, in his lifetime, hundreds of times. But he and Julie are the real deal. So if you're looking for a church, this one is friendly. Not all the churches I go to preach in are friendly. I'm telling you. This church is very friendly. It's clean. It's organized. And um, so give it a try if you're online looking for a church home in this area. The Lord bless you. And the lights. My goodness. This is a lot of work. Somebody put a lot of work into this. So... Um, Thank you so much for being the people of God and being faithful to orchestrate. Having two services, for those of you who just show up for one, float in and float out. I know some of you worked in first and vice versa, but um, because I used to be on staff at a church where we had three Sunday morning services, and then later on I was on staff at a church where we had two Sunday morning services and a Saturday night service. So, you know, being on staff means you're there for all those because you have a job to do. So... um, Well, you get to go to church, one of them, you intend, which is nice. So thank you for being here. The Lord bless you. What a wonderful season we're in. It's the month of December. Why is it that whenever December gets here, we're always shocked? It's like, it's December. I can't believe it. It's already December. Well, it's on the calendar every year as the last month, you know. Years ago, we had this lady. She was very precious to us, and she was special. And um, she asked this one time in December, Pastor, it's Christmas on the 25th again this year? She was serious because, you know, she was special. We were like, yes, honey, it's on the 25th again this year. So just for those of you who are wondering, it's always on the 25th. Because <laughs> for some reason, some of us never seem to remember uh, to be prepared for that. And it creeps up on us. So season's greetings to all of you and blessings on you in this precious season. Now, this season may end up looking a little different for some of us than other years, but we're still going to have Christmas, and we're still going to celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, Presently, I work as a hospice chaplain, and so I'm very well aware that this has been a very difficult season for many people. This has been a season of loss over this last year for some people, whether that's a job or whether that's uh, losing of a loved one or a friend has lost a loved one or maybe you work in the medical field and you're just seeing certain things that are difficult to deal with. Um, I encourage you today to hang in there because we're trusting and believing God to bring us through these difficult months into some... Uh, peace and calm and some uh, thanking God that hopefully we're at the end of this, coming to the end of this particular season. Change is difficult. Seasons in life change. No matter what season you're in presently, hang in there. It won't last forever. It will change. I can remember as a young mother thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm going to have this baby for the rest of my life. (laughs) 
And my baby is a pastor in North Carolina, and he's 30-something, six, I think, years old. I can't keep track of them. Yeah, six. And so, you know, and we had three babies, and now we have six grandbabies, and we actually like some of them, so that's good, too. (laughs) It's helpful. It's helpful. Um, Someone said the other day, oh, don't don't be ridiculous. Of course, parents have a favorite. Their favorite is whoever they're with at the moment telling them that they're their favorite. (laughs) So anyway, we'll leave that for another book. (laughs) Well, the story is told of a mother and moms, you know, there's a special place in heaven for moms, okay? And kindergarten teachers, I believe that, all right? Any kindergarten teachers here? Oh my goodness, that's a special anointing right there. Okay. When our kids were growing up, they were young, and I would find out things, information, that they were surprised that I knew. And they would say, how did you know? I would say, well, God told me. He tells me stuff. I pray, and he tells me stuff. And really, what it was is I was just checking the pockets of their jeans before they went into the washing machine, and they left notes. So you read all who likes who and who's what, you know, and find out all the good stuff. Well, they don't do notes anymore, so parents, you have to be wise. Find out another way to get that information out. But moms know stuff. There was this mom, and she went to travel to visit her son, who was away at college, and he had a, uh, some kind of setup, like an apartment off off college and uh, he had a roommate and she was a female and he was Josh and she was Julie and that's I'm not picking on you Julie that's really the story I have told before and um, she went for a visit and she had a wonderful visit they had a lovely meal and she left and she went home again and a few days later she received a an email from her son Josh and it said dear mom um, it was nice to have you here we had a great visit and, um, but ever since you've been here, there's been a gravy ladle missing. And I'm not saying you did take the gravy ladle, and I'm not saying you didn't take the gravy ladle, but the fact is, ever since you've been here, we can't find it. And so the mother thought about it, and she replied, and she said, Dear Josh, I'm not saying you are sleeping with Julie, and I'm not saying you're not sleeping with Julie, because they, they denied a relationship, okay? She says... But if Julie were sleeping in her own bed, she'd have found the gravy ladle by now. (laughs) So moms, moms know things. They have an intuition. So since you don't get many women preachers come through, I figured I'd throw that one in for you today. Well, today we're doing a very familiar portion of scripture. Probably many of you know it by heart. And uh, we're going to look at it and hopefully see some truths and some things in it that we've not seen before, and it will be a great comfort and encouragement to us today. And that is taken from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the Lord will work for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The Lord will provide for me. He restores my soul. The Lord will keep me going. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord will guide me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The Lord will protect me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The Lord will heal me. Now David, the shepherd king of Israel, prayed to God who had been to him the best of what a shepherd is to his sheep. This psalm is full of imagery about sheep. Any shepherds here today? Any people ever worked with sheep, tended sheep? And this sheep husbandry has a much deeper meaning when we really understand more of how a shepherd cares for his sheep or her sheep. Of course, our focus is Christ who said, I am the good shepherd. He is the revelation of the shepherd heart of God. And now as the reigning and resurrected Lord, he is with us as our great shepherd. So let's break it down. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the Lord will work for me. I won't be in need or want When it says, I shall not want, that means there won't be anything that I need. I won't be lacking. Because at this moment, this day, in the projects and problems of your life, your shepherd is working for your good. This should help set us free from fear and struggle. We need not be in want or need, as just like the shepherd who's always looking ahead for places for the sheep to graze and drink, our good shepherd knows what we need before we even ask. He's presently moving out ahead of us, preparing exactly what we need when we need it. And some people may say, well, why pray then? Why ask? Well, very good reason. Because he wants relationship with us and also because when we express our needs to him, we express our faith and our trust and our confidence in him. And the more you pray, the more answers you get. I'm trying to think of the author very well-known prophetic voice today and has written books on prayer, has said, someone has said to him, oh, all these answers to prayer, these are just coincidences. He said, well, all I know is the more I pray, the more coincidences I have. So I'm just going to keep on praying and see those coincidences come to pass. So why then do we get anxious and worry? We know in our head that we have a great shepherd who wants to take care of us. And we even stray from the flock and resist the plans he's made for us and think we can find better pasture on our own by times. We take things into our own hands or we exert our own will. I think it's Andrew Murray who said that serving God is just basically a matter of submitting our will to God's will. Isn't it? What did Jesus pray in the garden? If, Father, if there's a way to take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done, right? Now, the story is told of how two individuals repeated the 23rd Psalm or the Shepherd's Psalm. One was a young man, and he stood before the audience, and he quoted the Psalm with elegance. And then a dear elderly lady stepped up and held the audience spellbound by repeating the same words. And someone asked the pastor, what was the difference between the two? They were the same words. This wise pastor answered, the young man knew the psalm, but the elderly lady knew the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The Lord will provide for me. The Lord leads us each day into just what we need. Did you know that sheep will not lie down? 
until they're satisfied, until they're content, until they're fed, until there's no fear. You can't press them down. You can't push them down. You can't make them lie down until they're cared for. A sheep must be free of fear. Its coat cleared of parasites, fed and content. And it will not lie down without the knowledge of the presence of the shepherd. Think about that. We can lie down in peace when we have the knowledge of the presence of our shepherd with us. He said he gives his beloved rest. We can be content. Still waters. Green pastures, still waters. Still waters are important for sheep. You know, sheep are interesting little creatures. They're kind of top-heavy. All that wool and skinny legs. They kind of look disproportionate when their wool is all long. Like, why did God give them such little legs? (laughs) Well, they can fall very easily. And they can be pulled into rushing water. They're afraid of rushing water. Sheep have to drink from quiet pools, still places to drink from. That's why the scripture says he leads me into green pastures and beside the still waters because sheep must drink from quiet pools. And so do we need to be in green pastures and drink from the presence of the Lord in quiet pools. That's why we call it our quiet time. We put away all the distractions and we get in a place where we're just us and God and we can hear the Lord speaking to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. This portion of the psalm talks about how the Lord will keep us going. And it's from this scripture, this uh, chapter that we learn in sheep husbandry that we get the word downcast. Have you ever been downcast? Well, do you know what a cast sheep is? A cast sheep is one that has rested in the grass, on the ground. Maybe it's gotten in a hollow or it's some, for some reason it's on its back. And a sheep covered with heavy wool is in a position that it cannot help from rolling over. It becomes a cast sheep. It's downcast. From this we get that word. Downcast is being in a position in which you can't roll back onto your feet. We all have times like that in life. If you haven't had one yet, just hold on. It'll come eventually. A prophet of doom today. (laughs) Jesus didn't say if. He said when. (laughs) All right? But this scripture shows us how the Lord will get us back on our feet. It's interesting to note that putting the sheep back on its feet is a tender job, and it must be done in just the right manner. The shepherd would come along if he finds a cast sheep. And he just doesn't reach down and pick him up, stand him on his feet. Oh, no. He picks him up and he holds him in his arms. And he checks him over for anything, any parasites or anything that would harm him. He actually massages his legs and his feet until the blood flows back into them. If he were to sit him right down, the blood had flowed out and the, the, the sheep would be all wobbly possibly fall again. But he massages his legs and his feet and he tenderly cares for him and knows just the right moment to sit him or stand him back down on his feet. The Lord knows how to get you going and keep you going, pick you up and keep you going. He will get you back on your feet. 
David knew how the Lord took care of downcast people. Just right there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it because I feel like it. There's, there's someone here. Maybe you've lost a job this year, and the Lord is saying, I'm going to get you back on your feet. It's going to be okay. You're going you're gonna to make it. The Lord will get you back on your feet. That's for somebody listening. David knew how the Lord takes care of downcast people. Many times the Lord had restored his soul. Do you remember the Psalms? This is the David we're talking about, okay? Read through the Psalms and you'll understand. Someone said recently, um, if David had lived in our day, we wouldn't have the Psalms because he'd have been on Prozac. Well, in the Psalms, we find the ups and downs. We, we read about the mountaintops and the valleys, don't we? We read about the mountain peaks and the valleys of David's experience and things that he went through. Have you ever experienced this kind of care when downcast? He wants to get us on our feet and keep us going. Oh, there have been times in my life where I felt like, Lord, it's taken a while to get me back on my feet. But I know you're there and you're going to complete the job you're doing. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here we see the Lord's guidance. The Lord will guide us. Righteousness is a right relationship with the Lord by accepting his love and forgiveness. It's that simple. The gospel is not complicated, is it? We may try to justify ourselves through our own efforts or works, but then we're working for something that's a free gift that's been paid for for us. When we have righteousness, we will have the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we have the fear of the Lord, we will hate evil and become more like God. So the Lord will guide us if we desire to be led by him. Finding the Lord's will should not be difficult. The problem comes in when we want our will more than we want his. Because if we truly want his, he's obligated to speak to us. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And they know me and they hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Hmm. So the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And the Psalms tell us, come my children, listen to me. You want to uh, hear, you want to know the fear of the Lord? You want to know the secret to living a long life? It's to fear the Lord, to hate evil, to, and um, not to allow lying, a lying tongue from that Psalm. So, the amount of the, that we fear the Lord will be evident in our lives by the way we speak. So the Lord will guide us if we desire to be led by him. We will have this righteousness when we have the fear of the Lord. My, mother, my mother-in-law is 91 years old, sharp mind. She used to say a lot, oh, they have no fear for God, man, or the devil. Isn't that the truth in our society today? No fear, and what we mean by fear is really a respect, a healthy respect. There's no fear of God. There's no fear of man. Even our authority structure is deteriorating where our authority figures are, you know, we don't fear them. No fear of the devil. Well, we're not even sure if they're, you know, if that's real or if that's just a cartoon, okay? We're not sure about eternity. What? So I want you to know today that the gospel hasn't changed. Just because we're about to embark on 2021, you see this manger 
Christ came and was born in it, but what did he come for? He came there to go to the cross. You want to know what God thinks of sin? You look to the cross. That's what it did to his son, his one and only son. And he hasn't changed his mind about that, okay? He still wants us to be in righteousness and right relationship with him through what Jesus did for us. So the Lord will give us the uh, fear. We will have the fear of the Lord and it will give us wisdom. It's just the beginning of wisdom. We seek it and we pursue after it. Now, as it relates to this shepherd, David knew as a shepherd what it was like to care for the sheep. You remember when he was called down to take the food to his brothers and he ended up going down and fighting Goliath? David had, David had fought a bear and a lion and he is the hero of the big story, right? He kills Goliath. He gets to take the food down. Well, he knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And by the way, remember when he was called away, the Bible says he had someone take care of the sheep. He didn't abandon them. He didn't leave them. He had them taken care of. And then he went down to meet his brothers with the food. He knew how God had taken care of him. He knew how he took care of the sheep. As it relates to the Christmas story in this manger, what comes to my mind today when I see it is, the question is often asked, why did the Lord choose to have shepherds be one of the first ones to know about the birth of Jesus? And many people speculate on reasons, and there may be many reasons, and maybe multiple reasons. Some people say, oh, it was because they were the lowliest, and God wanted people to know, you know, Jesus came for everyone or whatever. Well, here's something you may not have known. In Palestine at the time, there were a certain group of shepherds that were responsible to raise sheep without any blemishes, without any problems, without any sicknesses, without any disease, without any spots. And these sheep would go as the sacrifice for the, uh, the perfect lamb that had to be sacrificed. You remember when Jesus came into the world and, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so here's Jesus coming on the scene, the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice. Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a pigeon today? We shed his blood here somewhere on the floor. Good, I am. The final shedding of blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no payment or remission for sins, okay? So Jesus is coming as the final lamb. Well, before he arrives on the scene, we have a group of shepherds that are used to a manger. Jesus was born in a manger. Well, it was not a tiny little box like this. It was a sturdy built thing. And it be out in the fields, or it could be under a shelter. It could be in a variety of places. They had way more than one of them. And these were built for these particular lambs, these special lambs that were going to be used as the sacrificial lambs. And when they were first born, they were placed in these mangers. How about that, huh? Lambs placed in a manger. Lambs that were going to be the sacrificial lambs placed in a manger for safekeeping. Or if one of them got hurt for a little bit of tending, they were placed there. Why would the shepherds be surprised when they get the message from the angel that says, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger? Immediately they realized this was the Messiah. Immediately they realized this was the one. Amazing. Now, if that doesn't bless you today, your blesser's broken. So say hallelujah. Shout. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> All right. I find that to be quite an interesting point. I love it. I love it. Made so much sense to me when I read about that. It's like, wow, how cool is God? How cool is God? How in-depth is the scripture and so much of it? We don't even really truly get the grasp of it because of our culture or whatever. Anyway, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Here we see the protection of the Lord. So if you're concerned today about whatever's going on in our world, let's take a moment and say, the Lord will protect me. David talks about walking in a dangerous place or through a hard experience, even of facing death. He knows that even there, his shepherd will be with him. Now, different seasons in life present us with different challenges, don't they? Different kinds of fears. You know, I believe the Lord is very well aware that as humans, we were going to struggle with fear. A variety of different kinds of fears throughout our lifetime. Because 365 times or four, whichever, whoever you believe, um, the scripture tells us, fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, if he had to say it that many times, I have the feeling he knew we might struggle with some kinds of fear, don't you? And certain... Uh, ones of us are given to different kinds of fears. Now, I didn't tell any stories on my husband in the first service, but I'm going to tell you, my husband, brilliant mind, but he's afraid of cats. I grew up on a farm. I don't get that, okay? I just don't get that. A cat comes anywhere near him in the room or in the house, and I'm like, you'd think by now you could work that out, you know? I'm saying, like, after all these years. But anyway, so we all have different kinds of fears. Uh, different seasons in life present us with different kinds of fears. Um, our middle child, our daughter, it was nine years. She, she got a degree in dance, and then she joined the military, because that's what you do with a degree in dance. You know, what else are you going to do with it, right? <laughs> she, she joined the military. She was in nine years. She got out. Got married, had two babies, boom, boom, because she's a get-her-done kind of person, just like her mother. Don't wait around if you're going to do something to get it over with. And after the second one arrived, 13 months apart, I might add, <clears throat> she's like, this is harder than being in the military. So shout out for all you moms. You could have kicked it in the military. <laughs> just saying. <sighs> all right. Different sets of fears. Fears. Oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm going to have this baby for the rest of my life. I can remember thinking when our first child was born. So, different seasons, different fears. This year had its own set of fears, didn't it? But David knew, he'd known that in the battles throughout his life that he'd seen the enemies that had attacked had been overcome. And the way that he had cared for his sheep in Judea as a boy was an example of the way God would care for him. You are under the care of the Lord today. The rod and staff show the protection of the shepherd. The rod comes from the lower trunk, the upper roots of a sapling, and at the end, the thick ball. It's a rod. <laughs> it made a rod or a weapon. It was a weapon of power. He could throw that at an enemy or beat off an attacker that was coming near the sheep. The staff, that's the candy cane one. Oh, I love candy canes. I bought 100 the other day. <laughs> little, little, little. So I can carry them with me, you know, easily. The staff 
It's used to gather in a wandering sheep, to pull one back, reach out and grab it. David knew it as protection from the enemies and God's grace or his guidance. When we're open to the direction, to his direction, he will give us protecting care each step of the way. And that's key. Don't forget, consult the Lord. Often, often, how would you have me make this decision, Lord? What would you have me do here? How, how would you guide me here? What should I do with my money here, Lord? He will guide us. He will protect us. And Bill Gothard years ago talked about an umbrella of protection. He said, when you remain in the chain of authority, the God-given chain of authority, parents to your children, doesn't matter if you agree with what they're having you do. We, pro- we have three kids who feel they were a little too sheltered and protected growing up. That's okay. When you remain under the umbrella of your protection, you have God's protection. Wife to husband, people to pastors, chain of authority on up into society, whatever it is, that will protect you. But when you step out from under that umbrella, and I could give you many examples, and you know many yourself, you open yourself up to the attacks of the enemy. So stay under your God-given chain of authority, and you will have God's protection. Hmm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, or my life overflows. Here we see the healing of the Lord. The Lord will heal me. For a shepherd, the table meant those grazing lands high up on the mountainside, reachable only in the spring after snow had melted. The shepherds prepared the grazing area. They went on before the sheep, ahead of them, often on their hands and knees through the grass, pulling out poisonous weeds or thorns or anything that would harm the sheep, tapping the ground to scare away snakes or any parasites or things that might harm them. Hmm. The Lord longs to feed us this way with his grace and hold off the enemies that cause frustration, anxiousness, and fear. I think about many times, think about many times when you're frustrated, anxious, or fearful. Have we allowed the grace of God, which is just the ability to do what he's asking us to do. The grace of God is the ability to do what he's asking us to do. You look at missionaries, you know, you look at certain people go through something, they lose a spouse or they have a, you know, lose a child or whatever. And you say, I don't know if I could ever go through that. Well, God gives you the grace or the ability to do what you need to do when you need to do it. It's the ability to carry out God's plan or his will for your life. It's his grace. But many times we're not tapped into the grace of God and so we have unnecessary frustration, anxiety, or fear. Healing was an important ministry of the shepherd to the sheep. The story is told of a blind shepherd who knew the faces of all his sheep by the touch of his hand. The Lord knows you today. You are special to him. Can you feel his touch on your face today? Anointing oil was important to the shepherd. It was placed on all the sheep to keep flies and insects off and to heal cuts and bruises on their face. Oh, don't we need the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit to heal us today? 
anointing in the Christian tradition is known as the blessing of the Lord. I bless you. Famous blessing song that came out a number of months ago, a wonderful song. The blessing. I, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance unto you and give you peace. May he bless you in your going in and your, your coming out, your going in. Bless you on the road, bless you in the country. Bless. May the Lord bless you. It's known as the blessing of the Lord, the healing of the Lord. What do we do? What does the scripture say? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, anointing him with oil, oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord will raise him up. Healing, the appointment of the Lord. Oh, God has a job for you to do. He has a special task for you to do. And he says, just like when they found David, you remember when David was found? You remember that story? They came in, the prophet came, and he's like, I'm coming to anoint a king. And they bring in all the other brothers. Not that one. Bring in the handsome, tall, not that one. Aren't there any more boys? He asks finally. And they go, well, there's David out in the field watching the sheep. Go get him. Bring him in. Anoint him. <gasps> prophet says, this is the one. I've chosen him for something very special. He has an appointment today. Hmm. Our son, our firstborn, is a pastor in North Carolina. When he was just a little boy, we had Bible story books, and one of them, of course, was on David. And at the end of that story, it would say, and it was one of his favorites. I can remember reading it so many days in a row. What is up with that with kids anyway? <laughs> Anyways, um, God cho had chosen David for something very special. And in the end it said, maybe God will choose you for something very special. There's the appointment of the Lord. Hmm. And then, of course, there's the joy of the Lord. Now, this second service crowd looks a lot more joyful than the first. And it could just be the hour and that you've had time for coffee. I'm not sure. But there is the joy of the Lord. And even if we have the joy of the Lord, we can have more. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the Lord wants to fill you with his joy today. Hmm. We need his anointed hand on us to be filled with his spirit and to be smeared with oil, the oil of God. Cup here is the portion. In the Hebrew, it means my life. My cup overflows. My life overflows. God makes our lives overflow when he anoints us with the oil of healing and our inner heart is filled with joy that overflows. Even though it may be a difficult time and this Christmas might not look just like the ones you're used to, we can still have the joy of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here this word follow means pursue. The Lord will pursue me. He will keep coming after me. What is that song we sing? Uh, nothing he won't kick down, tear down, coming after me, all that one. Do you sing that? You sing that here? No mountain he won't. Yeah, yeah, he's coming after us. He's coming after you. He's going to pursue you. He's going to follow you. 
<laughs> he will come in to us in our times of fear or difficulty with his goodness and his mercy because he's good. And he will remind us again and again and again, you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. He's consistent. He's faithful. He cannot be other than what he is. Do a study on the attributes of God. He is forgiving, accepting. He's a caring friend. He comes to us pursuing even in spite of our ignoring or rejection of him. Now, if you had a friend who ignored and rejected you, how long would you pursue? But Holy Spirit, sweet Holy Spirit, never stops pursuing us, following us. He will do all that he can to keep us close and in the flock. He will take that staff and use it when he needs to. Think of that when you see the candy cane. (laughs) He will bathe our hearts with his tenderness and calm our emotions with the assurance that he'll be with us in spite of all we're going through. Hebrews tells us we have a great high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It would be good and it it may be enough if the Lord only knew about the fact of our issues, our infirmities, our weaknesses. But it goes beyond that because Christ experienced coming as a baby. He came out the birth canal, guys. He experienced the whole gamut of human emotions. So he feels what we feel. Remember, he struggled with the will of God. In the garden, he said, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass for me, he knew where he was headed. But not my will, but your will be done. Hmm. So he wants to be your shepherd today. Just as We've experienced many, many times before he comes to fight the battles in our lives and to bring us through a situation. I was really, really encouraged one time when my husband preached a message called Speak to the Mountain. And he said, you know what's behind that mountain when you get that one removed in your life? A bigger mountain. Like, okay. Because... Speaking to this one and seeing it removed will give me the faith I need to speak to the next one that's even bigger and see it removed in my life. We can be confident today that just as the shepherd is faithful to his sheep and as the great shepherd was faithful to David, he will be faithful to us today. So I want to take a moment just now If you'd like to stand, we're just going to play some music for a moment. I'm going to pray for you today. We're going to ask the Lord to touch you, minister to you. If you feel comfortable, you can just put your hands in a receiving position. The Lord spoke to us and several individuals in earlier service. Right now, I just want to bless you in the name of the Lord. We receive your blessing today, Lord. If you feel comfortable, you can just receive, put out your hands and receive a blessing from the Lord today. 
I bless you in the name of the Lord today. I bless you in your going in and your going out. I bless you in your family. I bless you in your marriage. I bless this church today. I bless Pastor today, his Julie and his family. I speak blessings, favor. May his favor be upon you. May his favor be upon you. May his favor be upon you. I bless you in your womb today. Some of you have done enough of those. You've had enough of those blessings. Others of you, there may be someone looking for a blessing in your womb today. I bless you in your womb. Bless you. Bless you. I bless you with jobs today and promotions. I bless you in the name of the Lord.